Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The Matthew Wright Show on Crucible of Broadcast Excellence. Talk Radio. Put it on and keep it on. Too busy to catch us on the afternoons on Talk Radio. Too many children to care for. Too many jobs to manage. Well, never fear. Help is here in the shape of the Matthew Wright podcast, where we cut down three hours of entertainment and enlightenment every afternoon into tiny bite-sized morsels just for you, you busy so-and-so. So sit back and enjoy the best of the Matthew Wright Show here on Talk Radio. It's just another day, another plan, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, joining us is the co-founder of the Association of British Commuters, Emily Yates. Hello, Emily. Hello, nice to speak to you. You must have some very angry members, Emily, the British Commuters Association. We have angry members every single day uh, with this rail and bus system in this country, honestly, I'll tell you. <laughs> So uh, what do you make of uh, what's been going on? Because it strikes me that while, while we are, they're talking up sort of gifts, travel gifts for the north, but actually the more you look at it, there's new sections or sections of railway that look like they're going to be closed down in the north. And I can only start joining the dots thinking, well, if, if people were expecting trains on those railways, they're going to be shut down, they're going to get buses instead. Yeah, it, well, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm going to tell you that I'm here to speak up for buses. Um, so I actually do right. think that the investment in buses is, is the one potentially really good policy in all of this. Um, in terms of like what they've been saying, you know, the earlier giveaways they were going on about in terms of um, giving you know, very little bits of money to reverse the beaching cuts. Um, that yes. was a joke. Absolutely. That was a joke. Um, but then, you know, buses, the reason buses are good is the way to revive that um, local public transport issues. And, you know, we just had a report out yesterday saying that um, over half the towns in the southwest and the northeast are becoming transport deserts because of bus and rail um, limitations. But the cheapest and quickest, most efficient way to to restore transport to those communities is actually through buses. Um, and equally, um, you know, we, we do need a massive investment in buses because of climate change. Just just in obviously. terms just in terms of numbers, uh, before we came on out a look, and uh, it's been blamed on austerity, but something like 3,000 routes closed down over the last 10 years. Um, yeah. The amount of money saved is considerably less than the billion that's been earmarked for more buses. So do you expect, Emily, that we'll eventually, certainly, that th th our bus services are going to be better than they were, say, in 2008, 2009? I think it's a risk. Um, so it's a risk in terms of, like, how they're going to spend this money. And I think at this point, if they do not go ahead with um, a national bus strategy that prioritises regulating the buses, they are going to really embarrass themselves, especially at the time when they're trying to provide these new great regional rail models that, that they're about to come out with in the um, completely unscrutinised Williams Rail Review, which is out to due out soon. If they're going to succeed in uh, creating that kind of model of integrated transport and you know, bringing us into the 21st century, they're going to need to be able to integrate and plan their bus routes, which they currently can't because almost the entire bus market outside of uh, London isn't uh, regulated at all. It's complete Wild West. Um, 
And so I think that. Sorry, one just, of the... sorry, Emily. Just just to contextualise that for us. Yeah. What's it like in London? By 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 contrast. So London um, is is the one city uh, that was um, thought apparently by by Thatcher to be too important to deregulate buses, so she kept them regulated there back in 1986. Deregulated, deregulated across the rest of England, right? right. Um, now this is a, there's a 30 year policy of deregulation behind the the crisis, absolute crisis in buses. Um, that 30 year uh, you know policy of deregulation, it was actually called out directly by the Transport Select Committee in their report last year and also in the UN report on poverty last year it was called out as limiting people's human rights uh, so that's especially um, in the case of um, you know low-income areas and rural areas and that's obviously the report that went out yesterday was all about that about the transport deserts um, so really, I think I'm seeing this very much as a social justice issue that not only is that that money promised to buses spent on buses, but also that bus regulation is prioritised um, because it's the only way to make a good investment for the taxpayer as well and um, get those returns okay. um, for uh, so many reasons. On, yeah. on the railways, I, th I think Kevin and myself have sort of long been of the view that HS3 would have been a more logical place to start, yep. to join up the long-forgotten, oft-ignored North, which is what you know, Boris Johnson has been banging the drum for. And I suppose I'm ever so slightly surprised that HS2 has officially been given the green light uh, today when uh, maybe HS3 was the route to go. Um, do you think we've got it right with HS2? Is this, is this the right direction? I mean, he says well, it's helping I... the North, but in actual fact, it's helping the Midlands get to London, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the big question about HS2, first of all, is capacity. Yes. So... Um, like, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, rail industry pundits out there arguing that it's a great thing because it's going to improve capacity. But what nobody is talking about is the fact that we've got a railway that's at capacity. And to solve that, especially with uh, runaway climate change, are we going to go building, um, go on, like, you know, building vanity projects all the time? Or are we going to really carefully think about transport policy as an integrated whole? And obviously, like, the, the time is urgent to do that. Um, and so if... The current systems at capacity, we have to look at, you know, working hours. We have to make this a whole democratic, social, public conversation. We're looking at um, flexible working hours. At the moment, there isn't even a, a decent option for yeah. me, for example, as a part-time freelancer going up to London. I don't even have an affordable um, sort of season ticket option. It's low-income passengers that are always getting priced out of the system. Yeah. And, and the we more were... they spend, the more the fares are going to go up, obviously. And in one of the HS2 meetings, or oh, a long time ago now, two years ago or so, um, some of the HS2 bods were confronted by people in the audience saying, well, if you look at the BBC, they're saying 85% of conventional jobs are going to disappear by 2035 that yeah. uh, primary schools yeah. are trying to train pupils up for jobs that don't even exist yet. The chances are many more of us will be working from home using sort of video conferencing technology, etc., to, uh, to talk to one another. Will people actually need this railway? And uh, the people from HS2, it's on video, uh, laughed at the question. They didn't come up with an answer, they just laughed. Well, I mean, I think the important thing to keep in mind all the time is that, you know, we, we've... We've gone through Brexit now. It's time to prioritise um, regional development, regional governance and accountability. And at the moment, one of the biggest problems that we have in transport is that there is no democracy and accountability. I mean, literally, we're being governed by multinational transport corporations. The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio. 
And my daughter was actually born from a frozen embryo. So a frozen embryo that actually was on ice for eight years before she was finally thawed out to bleed me of every penny that I have. Oh, no, I digress. Um, but um, this, is, this is actually about freezing eggs. And Sorry, Carrie. Um, it just hurts. No, um, <laughs> she's lovely. Wow. She's lovely. I look in those eyes and, and I just see all the money staring back at me. No, no, I don't. I mean, I just see the love staring back at me. That's what I meant. To say. Now, um, eggs... With with some limited exceptions, normally for people who face cancer, um, frozen eggs normally can only be kept on ice for 10 years, uh, after which they get thrown away. And there are now moves to change that, possibly um, to leave them on ice for decades, as it appears that being on ice doesn't actually damage the, the, the DNA therein. Now, of course, this could lead to other, perhaps uh, unintended consequences. Would we, for example, see loads of older women having babies uh, later in life? Well, Mrs Wright had her baby at 43 and all seems to be going well so far. There's another little thing that I hadn't considered, which is apparently that some women may be looking at donating eggs that they've had extracted and put on ice to their daughters if their daughters face fertility problems. Now, I don't know what I feel about that and maybe you're the same. So let's to spoil, no, excuse me, let's speak to um, Adrian Lower, consultant gynaecologist and fertility expert, actually co-founder of Ice Fertility, the first online egg freezing service in the UK, and it's launching later this month. Adrian joins us on the line now. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hello, Matthew. Nice talking to you. Um, Thank you. Where did the 10-year limit originally come from, Adrian? Uh, it's imposed by the Human Fertilisation and Embryology Authority, the government body that... Uh, the watchdog. All the, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, exactly. And um, was, was there any scientific basis for it when it was imposed? Uh, no, it was <laughs> uh, uh, a, a limit that seemed sensible at the time. And I think that the concern was that uh, the, the social issues that you just uh, mentioned in your introduction were were of concern to the, the watchdog. OK, uh, to, OK. To, uh, so, to so, so it was an arbitrary cut-off based on concerns, of, of sort of social concerns that might therefore derive. OK. So those social concerns must still exist in people's minds, do they not? Well, I, I think so. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not... Um, we, we're trying to get away from the nanny state. And the, the problem is that if we, if we apply those concerns, we are defeating the very process that we're, we're trying to achieve. Because if you freeze eggs for, for 10 years, if you, if you destroy them after 10 years, then you're really making women freeze at a slightly later age um, and, and then the success rates with frozen eggs are less. And there are very many reasons why, why people want to freeze their eggs. It's not just for uh, you know, social reasons, it's for people who may not have found the right person who don't want to go through uh, having children as a single mother who are waiting to try to find the right person. It's very difficult these days to to meet uh, uh, people and, and we tend to have a much shorter attention span than perhaps was the case in the past. <laughs> yes, maybe we do. Although, of course, all, all of those issues take really little into account about the resultant child, aren't they? They're, they're, they're all to do with prospective parents rather than the outcomes for the child and I guess there are those out there. I know because they've said things to me that aren't necessarily very kind. Uh, you know, that older parents aren't good parents. I don't think there's any data to support that at all. I, uh, you know, um, like you, I had a, a child relatively late, but uh, a, 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 another family early, and I think right. that I'm probably better at looking after a child with the age and experience, and perhaps not so busy in my career as as I was when the uh, the, the first uh, 
children came along. Can you tell us, so tell us a little bit about ice fertility then. What are you doing? What does it cost? And, and who do you expect to use your service? Well, we're trying to produce a, a service which will allow women to freeze their eggs um, at the age when it's going to be most effective, between the age of 25 and 35. And, and it's, uh, currently, we, it's, it's currently about 38, the average, I believe. So that, that, That's the average. Yeah, yeah. right. We want to try and drive that down. We want to make it easier for women to access that. They'll be able to do almost everything online, internet consultations, have blood tests at home, a couple of scans, and then go to the fertility clinic of their choice to actually freeze their eggs. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll stay in contact with them and uh, try and keep them healthy, mindful of their fertility, prevent them uh, developing uh, conditions which might adversely affect their chance of having a child as they, uh, as they age, if they elect to, to, to defer. There's no... The, the, the quality of the eggs... I suppose I've got two questions here. Does the quality of the eggs change, deteriorate relative to the, 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 the woman's age? And do, do the eggs deteriorate in any shape or form when in ice? Uh, once the eggs are frozen, then their deterioration is, is halted. They're, they're, they are just as good. And the success rates with frozen eggs are the same as the success rates with, with fresh eggs uh, for women of, of, of equivalent age at the time that the eggs were frozen. So if you freeze your eggs at the age of 35 and you don't use them till you're 45, then you'll have the same chance of success as if you try to conceive with fresh eggs at the age of 35. The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio. Kevin, you've, yeah. you've been very supportive of, of my career over the years. I have. Until now. <laughs> Kevin, you're until say, now. You're taking this personally, aren't you? Go on. Well, when a certain journalist was saying that I'm a favourite, please be amazing, she deserves all the awards, what was your response, Kevin? Uh, didn't like last night's episode, wasn't it? Oh, yes, that's, that's right. right. Say no, it was rubbish. Um, that was Ian Highland. I think you just found a listener. I, th- I think I was slightly repelled by Ian Highland being rather creepy uh, and sort of sucking up to you. So I was a bit repelled Why, by Why, Kevin? Try it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Try <laughs> sucking up advice, to me. Good advice, Faye. Good advice. It's really fun. And me, and me. Because then what happens is I'm nice back. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, d- I didn't like last week's episode, but I did like last night's. I thought it was terrific. I, I'm a big fan of Cold Feet. You know Why? That. Uh, okay, you, Kevin. Ensemble drama, it works so, so well. Why aren't there more? I just don't get it. I mean, they've just run um, the... Uh, the uh, what's that? This Life's just had a rerun, hasn't it? They've reported yeah, into that again. Yeah, I don't... I guess... Look, the, the shows that come back... I mean, now loads of things are coming back. I feel like we started... The, that particular stampede actually maybe this life did but the but it's sort of yes there's a run of things that come back and um uh, I yeah I don't know I mean it's just it's good writing you know it's whether or not um Mike, Mike Bullen does he work mainly on his own for, for writing because again I, we, we've had all sorts of writers actually this time and he sort of oversees it um and uh yeah he I think he wrote do you, the first do you one. all have input now because you really oh, know that's your character one yeah you? Well, as you can I tell... I think we up for a no here. <laughs> uh, as you can tell, I don't hide my light under a bushel, Kevin. Oh, yeah. okay, so, okay. yes, I Good. always... I, oh, I and all of us certainly have things that we need to say about it, especially when it feels like, you know, it's you know a, a man. I say, well, for a start, I've gone one up on the writer if it's Mike Bullings. I go, I'm a woman. 
of that age, yes. and I look like the character. And so I'm going to have a strong opinion on what that character does and says. Uh, but uh, the honest truth is, it, you know, these are written scripts and the producers have a lot to do. It's a bit of a pool of everybody right. kind of having an opinion. But, um, but you know, it's still it's something that's created separately to us, to, the, essentially. It's probably worth mentioning about Adam and the, the mountaineering expedition because you have just been noted uh, about the uh, Ben Nevis rescue, the real-life rescue that's been occurring today. Have you been hearing about it? No. So, so, so if, if you're not seeing it, cold, cold feet, the, the boys go away for a sort of weekend of hiking. Uh, and they go to Scarfell Pike, and uh, Adam twists his ankle and has to spend the night on the moors. Well, these, what is it, four boats from the Four Glasgow? guys uh, from where else, Glasgow, uh, were found on the top of uh, Ben Nevis uh, in the middle of Storm Kyra. No. Uh, and they only had trainers on. <laughs> What do you mean? So no clothes. Like, like clothes 18 as well. rescuers oh. and a helicopter had to go up and literally they would have died. <laughs> and they only had, well, they've only got trainers on, you know what it's called. Oh, what do you mean? As opposed to a, a sturdy boot? Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, so oh. they, they were not yeah. properly equipped. Yeah, but um, of course, the, the, the. I'm with them, though. I have to say, I've only ever worn a fashion mule on a hike. <laughs> I'm, and, and I've had and I've had proper hikers going, you'll not make it back. <laughs> In those, I go, I will. It's, a, it's all about how you look, isn't it? That's what I say. I think so, so I mean, Kevin, Kevin knows that I, I went on a stag do many years ago, which was... Um, uh, so many things happened on it, but including the lowest level oh, mountain rescue uh, on Ben Nevis. Uh, it was just beyond the car park that one night had to be rescued. <laughs> Literally. Why? Well, I, so, okay, so the first night he walked off a seawall in Wales without. There was a ramp down to the beach, which we all went on, yes. but he just went straight off the top of the wall and fell 25 feet, broke his arm, refused to go to hospital. We're talking drinking here, are we? Uh, yeah, yeah. Mick, uh. Mick's his name, lovely fella, um, broke his arm and then spent the next 24 hours medicating with wine. Uh, and then we did the uh, climbing Ben Nevis. And at this point, it all got a bit much for him. <laughs> Did he ever cry? I, I don't know, because this is also true. Um, we all deserted him. Uh, we <laughs> left him to the rescuers. <laughs> and the last we heard, he was in a hospital in Wales, and I've never seen him again. That's, That's what friends are for. Is that mate. actually true? That is a true story. That is a true story. This is so sad. It was, it was, uh, there's another little detail. Where is he? So we were staying, we were staying in Wales in, a, in a, a chapel, associated to a chapel, a room next to a chapel. And when we left, um, some of the boys on the stag told me they'd inserted pornographic images into the prayer books of the <gasps> aforementioned Welsh Presbyterian <gasps> chapel. And no. I told them that was an evil and wrong thing to do. Oh, my God. Just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. <laughs> it was one of those dudes. Wow. Favourite thing, lovely to see you, my Thank friend. Take you. the best of care and um, look forward to many more, many, many more hours of cold feet. Bless you. Even cold foot. And if you enjoyed all of that, make sure you tune in to The Matthew Wright Show with Kevin O'Sullivan every weekday from 1 on Talk Radio.